You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com. The largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Dylan Terriman and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. This is your host, Alex Barallo, joined by Dylan Terriman. Dylan, how are we doing tonight? I'm doing well. I, I know we only took one week off last week and didn't do a show, but it feels like it's almost been a month since the season ended with all the information and news we've gotten down the pipeline the past few weeks. Yes, yeah, last week I wasn't feeling too well. Um, I know we were going to try to do a Thursday show. Uh, My voice couldn't uh, show up and uh, put myself on the IR for a week, but I'm glad to be back, glad to be doing the show. And it does feel like it's been a long time. Uh, since we've been on, you know, talking about the Jets here. Uh, So tonight's episode, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of recap the season, um, the ups and downs, the highs and lows. Uh, We'll briefly talk about that that Week 18 uh, loss to the Buffalo Bills. Um, Not too much to get into, but we have a few notes that we'll we'll cover. Uh, There's a special announcement that we will be – that Dylan will be uh, providing us later on uh, this evening. And then we're going to get into some hot topics, and uh, we're going to talk about some players that we feel the Jets should bring back for the 2022 season. And then lastly, we're going to talk about just a few players of note that uh, stood out to us throughout the season that deserve a little bit of recognition. Uh, clearly not a great season, uh, only winning four games, but uh, – you know, this is uh, where we're at, and uh, we'll be transitioning into off-season mode before you know it. Um, you know, as other teams are getting ready to compete for the Lombardi Trophy, the Jets have to get to work right away and start working on that 2022 season. So, uh, Dylan, why don't we just, uh, you know, briefly talk about uh, the, the Bills game here. We don't really have to get into length, um, you know, lengthy conversation about it because uh, we know it didn't uh, end up well for us. But um, any uh, any thoughts on uh, the game against the Bills? Yeah, I'm glad you said uh, to keep it brief because this is something you don't really want to dwell over. I know it was the last game of the season, so it's going to leave a bit of a sour taste in people's mouths. But I think it's something mm-hmm. that most Jets fans could hopefully, like I did, turn the page into 2022 and not look back. But, you know, you, you look back at the game, 53 total yards, 1.2 yards per play, absolutely, you know, unacceptable. Even against a great defense like Buffalo, you have to be able to produce a little bit more than that. Uh, the offensive line allowed nine sacks. So, you know, back to their early season form, just, you know, letting everything up. They were one for 14 on third downs, 0 for 6 in the first half. So, again, you know, the downs that matter – When you're trying to stay on the field, they just couldn't do it. And all in all, I mean, Zach Wilson started two for seven. He hit Keelan Cole on a fourth and five for a touchdown for 40 yards. And when you have a 40-yard touchdown and end with 53 total yards, you know the the rest of the day isn't really too too positive. 
Um, the defense allowed 254 passing yards, 170 rushing yards. Um, still managed to keep it close, though. It was 10-13 to 13 going into the fourth quarter. Uh, they scored a couple late touchdowns to, you know, put the game away and ended, you know, making the scoreboard look a little bit more lopsided than it was. Um, I thought special teams did well. They somehow they got in the head of the Bills punter and he shanked so many punts. I think he shanked three in a row. One didn't count, but he shanked it again after they pulled it back on the penalty. And then for the Jets special teams, Eddie Pinheiro came up clutch. He had another uh, 49-yard field goal, so he hit a 51-yarder and a 49-yarder to end the season, so you like to see that because the Jets couldn't kick anything past 40 yards. It was a, you know, hands-over-your-eyes type of moment and just pray it goes in, but Pinheiro seemed to knock him down, so, you know, we like where the, the direction of the special teams is headed, but all in all, not a game that I'm going to sit here and dwell on. The Bills had our number. They've had our number for the last few years. The Jets need to be competitive, like Joe Douglas said, in the division before they can really think to be competitive elsewhere in the NFL. So it's a good wake-up call to end the season to say, hey, I know we were on a hot like a hot streak to end the season. Zach Wilson was playing really well, but here's a little bit of dose of reality that this is still a very young roster that's bottom seven in almost every major category, offense and defense. And it's a, it's a time to you know build on the foundation that we have. So I'm not going to you know, tear them apart for not producing, but I'm not going to, you know, excuse it by any means. Yeah, uh, good breakdown there. Um, You know, I had a lot of the same notes written down as well. I think probably the most alarming situation was the uh, sack totals, um, giving up nine on the day. Uh, Believe it or not, uh, Crowder got sacked once. They tried to do a little trick play with him, um, and Zach got brought down eight times, so... Uh, we've seen some improvements with the offensive line near the end of the year. Uh, they were hammered with injuries and, you know, other things like that. So a lot of changes going on up front and, uh, you know, the way we matched up against the Buffalo Bills defensive line just was not an equal matchup. And, uh, they definitely had, uh, the best of us, you know, Zach being seven for 20 with a touchdown and a fumble, uh, you know, the kid was trying to make plays. He was trying to escape as much as he could. And it's kind of hard, you know, well, not kind of. It really is hard to run an offense, to run a scheme, or, you know, compete when every single play is, is breaking down right in front of you and, and then it's a scramble drill. Mm-hmm. So Zach did the best that he could. Uh, you know, the Jets' defense did not end on a great note. They let up uh, a bunch of yards. Um, you know, 170 on the ground, 250 in the air. So, you know, well over 400 yards of offense for the day. Um, you know, as, as far as the season's concerned, I think Glenn had tweeted that the Jets had uh, given up uh, almost like 500 points on the total season. Um, I think he was uh, making a tweet in regards to draft. And a lot of people saying, you know, Jets need to, to go wall fence. Um well, you know, he brings up a good point uh, when you look at those statistics and all those yards the Jets gave up in the air and on the ground. Uh, you can definitely make a case to say that the Jets really, really need to focus in on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we did see some more promising things with certain players, you know, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, even Zach progressed a little bit. So, 
there's only a few players offensively in the, you know, weapons department that are doing well, but we do anticipate, you know, gaining a lot back for next season. Uh, as Joe Douglas said in the year-end presser, uh, the Jets led the NFL uh, with the most money spent on the IR uh, two years in a row. The Jets have had the, probably the most injuries of all the teams in the NFL uh, they're trying to figure out this Rubik's Cube of a problem here on, on why their players can't stay healthy. I know that a lot of people thought it was the Gase curse and put a lot on him, you know, for the injuries that they went through when he was present. Uh, but come to find out with the new head coach, uh, the Jets just seem to be very unlucky with the injury department. And, uh, you know, they're going to analyze and look, you know, uh, how they practice, type of drills that they're doing. Um, you know, I was having conversation with some of my friends this weekend for wild card Saturday, and uh, they are really considering redoing the field at MetLife because there's been so many injuries that come out of those games. And, uh, you know, when you talk about Turf Monster, maybe there is something to that. So be interesting to see if the Jets or, you know, even the Giants combined together um, – and work toward getting like a new field for next year. You know, who knows that that could be something that uh, maybe reduces the amount of injuries going forward as well. So uh, at least they're being mindful of this and, you know, they're going Mm -hmm. to attempt to put a plan together for it. And while I'm talking about a plan, if you're a business owner and you're looking to create a better plan for your social media presence, you have to go to milesocial.com. That is our sponsor here at Jet Nation. Uh, We appreciate everything that they do. So if you're looking to improve your social media status for your business, please go to milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-A-L.com. All right, Dylan. So uh, we've done our uh, quick recap on the Bills game. Um, Now, we do – you have an announcement, um, and I don't know if you want to get right into that right away or if you want to – work our way into that and talk a little bit more about the season. Uh, I'm going to give you the option on uh, what direction we're going to go to tonight. Yeah, let's do Let's do the season recap while we're still, still in the 2021 book before we completely close it and turn the page to 2022. Let's, let's do a little season recap. I like it. Let's keep the listeners anticipating here for, for what we have in store. Love it. Okay. So, I'll I'll just start with, you know, my generic thoughts here. Obviously, the beginning of the season was a very, very rough road, uh, rough season. You know, we're going to be talking – I'll be talking more, a little bit more about Zach Wilson and, you know, the things that he went through in the beginning of the year. Uh, You know, the first six games of the season, throwing nine interceptions, you know, only coming away with one, one win. Uh, in those games up till October 24th when he had got injured and uh, was out for about a month. And, uh, you know, you could clearly see that the adjustment coming from the collegiate level into the pros uh, was an obstacle for Zach and company. Uh, He did not get a lot of help from his offensive line early on in the year. Uh, You know, there was a lot of questions in regard to the manner of play calling and trying to protect him with a strong running game. You know, these are things we talked about on this show quite a lot. Um, you know, and furthermore, uh, you look at, you know, the sack numbers that, that came through, 44 total uh, throughout the season. And, 
you know, they weren't that great near the end of the season um, with the amount of sacks that were taken. Um, you know, maybe a, a few of those you could say Zach was holding onto the ball too long trying to make a play. Uh, but in the second half of the season, um, from November 28th to that January 9th game, Zach really, really got it together. Um, he controlled the ball significantly better. Uh, two interceptions going down the stretch. He ended the season um, on his last five games without throwing an interception. Um, somebody that was good for at least one, if not two, every game to start off the season. Um, that is absolute progress. Uh, I'd have to say timing, um, that internal clock, uh, you know, we're hoping that that's exactly what was going on in his head and in his mind. So that is progression. And, um, you know, we didn't end the season um, on a great note with a W. Um, our last two competitors on the schedule, uh, pretty dominant, uh, you know, being the Buccaneers and the Bills, these teams that are now uh, still alive in the playoffs here. So, you know, they hung in there um, for the most part, you know, more so in that Buccaneers game than the Bills game. You know, it was 10 to 13, like you had mentioned, Dylan. And, you know, we just couldn't figure out a way to put it all together to, to keep keep us within striking distance at the end. So, uh, you know, maybe perhaps that that's a, a, a little, you know, refresher, a uh, welcome back to reality that even though some things have been going quite well in the last few weeks of the season for the Jets, uh, they still have a lot of work to do in the trenches, specialty players, weapons, you know, um, defensive skill set players across the board. They really, really do have a lot of holes to fill. So uh, I am happy to say that the quarterback, one of the most important positions on this team, did show some progression near the end uh, and, and that, you know, we can tip our cap to, to, you know, LaFleur putting in a better game plan, um, Zach being able to come through the adversity. So, uh, you know, I remain, um, you know, hopeful. Expectations are not very high. I'm going to keep them pretty moderate. And, uh, you know, I can say that I was expecting a little bit of a down season here, maybe not as drastic as it was in the beginning of the season and, and the midpoint of the season. But I can definitely say over the last four weeks of the season, uh, it was a lot more enjoyable football to watch. So, uh, Dylan, I'll throw it back to you. Uh, what are your final thoughts on the uh, 2021 season? Yeah, it was it was definitely more enjoyable to watch. And just to piggyback off the Zach Wilson conversation, I did a couple pre- and post-injury splits. He had six games before his injury and seven games after his injury. And on a total yards <clears throat> basis, he had 1,190 total yards pre-injury and 1,337 yards post-injury, so slightly uh, higher there. His total turnovers pre-injury was four. Post-injury, he had nine. So that's, you know, doubling his production in terms of touchdowns. And then total turnovers, he had nine before getting injured, and he cut that number all the way down to three. So he significantly turned around his play it's essentially a tale of two halves for him. He missed four games in the very middle of the season and came back and in five of the last six games, he had a QB rating of 83 or higher starting from the Philadelphia game all the way to the Tampa Bay game. So you liked the growth that you saw out of him and just continuing with the rookies. I thought that you had about six or seven rookies that 
showed some type of promise for the season, obviously some more than others, but when you have players that you drafted in the 200s overall that are, you know, getting on the field and making plays, it's a really good thing to see. So Elijah Vera Tucker being the 14th overall pick, I thought he had all pro flashes, especially down the stretch. I believe it was the Tampa Bay game. Everybody was posting highlights of him pancaking all over the place. So really good to see him dominating, especially against a elite defensive front like Tampa Bay had. You have Elijah Moore, our second round pick who had the most receiving yards for the team at 538. He had six total touchdowns and that's with missing the last three or four games of the season. So a lot of production and a lot of potential still left with him. You had Michael Carter, He had 964 total yards, 639 on the ground, 325 through the air, four total touchdowns. So he's somebody that is just scratching the surface. And as that 1A or 1B back, depending on how you see him, was getting 1,000 scrimmage yards as a rookie. So a very good sign to see out of a fourth-round player at 107 overall, I believe it was. And then more of the day three picks, you had Brandon Eccles, who opposite Bryce Hall ended with the second most, no, tied for the most interceptions, excuse me, on the team with two. You had Michael Carter, the second, who he was just full of pass breakups and the coaches couldn't stop, you know, gushing about his veteran IQ. And you could see it on the film. He'll pass off zones really well with the other defensive backs and, it's you know it's good to see from a rookie that he has his head where it's supposed to be and he's making plays at the same time because that means that his ball production is only going to go up. And then you had Jason Pinnock who was listed as a cornerberg and then they switched him to safety kind of behind the scenes without saying anything. And then they put him on the field to showcase for the last few games of the season. And while it wasn't perfect, I think he did a pretty good job stepping in and you know, I think he was the third or fourth safety probably to come in after all the injuries. So it's a good thing that he was, you know, showing some signs down the field, um, especially he was making big pass breakups down the field, stopping big touchdowns. So good to see him, you know, develop throughout the, the season because we saw him get burned for a couple touchdowns early on. And then just moving on in general to the team, I want to move back to the AFC East and how the Jets fared this season. They did not do well in the division. Obviously, they didn't win a game 0-6, and and it doesn't really get prettier from there. But they had a negative 117-point differential, which was good for 205-88, to which is pretty alarming considering, you know, the Patriots had a rookie quarterback, and also they have a veteran coaching staff and a veteran roster otherwise. It's it's pretty alarming that they're able to beat up on the Jets when they're in a similar phase of their cycle. Obviously, you look at the Dolphins, they're a bit ahead in their rebuild, but they just fired their coach. So for a team that I guess would say they didn't meet expectations bad enough to fire a coach, they shouldn't be sweeping us in the division. Obviously, Buffalo is going to be a problem for years to come with Josh Allen, so that's going to be a tough one to, you know, ask the Jets to even go one and one every season. But 205 to 88 in the point differential is just unacceptable. And then mm-hmm. looking at the total the um, total rankings for the team, offensively, total points, they're only 28th, so bottom five. 
26th in total yards, 20th in passing yards, 27th in rushing yards. So you see it, bottom 12, every category. And passing yards, I'd feel like that was really boosted in the time that Zach Wilson was hurt and they had quarterbacks throwing for 300 yards a game and they were the top passing offense for three, three or four weeks consecutively. And then you flip it over to defense, it doesn't get any better there. 32nd in total points and total yards, 30th in passing yards, and 29th in rushing yards. So by land or by sea, it didn't matter. You were going to score on the Jets one way or the other. And then a big one here for me that I circled in my recap was one-score games because I feel like these are the ones that the Jets obviously had a chance to win, and it was close throughout the game to the point where they only – lost by seven or less and they were four and five in those football games so half of their season was a one score game which shows that they were slightly competitive I know there's big games out there where they got excuse me blown out but nine total games they were one score all four of our wins were one score games so four and five was our record and we had a turnover margin of plus one in all of those games and the only losses that we had were Carolina, Atlanta, Miami twice, and Tampa Bay. So in in years to come, you would believe that Carolina and Atlanta will slide off as losses and hopefully become wins as this team matures. Miami, you hope to split with down the road. And Tampa Bay, I mean, if you can compete with Tampa Bay like they did, I'll accept a one-score loss because I think everybody wrote the Jets off in that game. So it shows that they were absolutely competitive, which – at least down the stretch we were able to see, like you mentioned, this team got a little bit hot and we saw Mike LaFleur kind of empty the bag of uh, trick plays and really make the offense enjoyable to watch. But the defense was able to show up for the most part in these games. So it's a lot to build on. I know it doesn't always look pretty and I just gave a lot of negative stuff, but it's a lot to build on for the future when you have such a young roster and so, so much money and draft capital moving forward to improve. Yeah, and, and, you know, I just had a thought while you were going through there, and it really seems that, you know, what they should probably focus in on is bringing in a little bit more experience at all levels of the offense and defense uh, so that not only do you have players coming into the fold that, you know, have seen it all and done it all, but they can also be mentors to some of these younger players so that, you know, that they can pick their brains and learn from them. You know, even the short time that, you know, players like, uh, you know, Joe Flacco, uh, you know, was around and things like that. Like, you know, somebody that the Jets, you know, young quarterback could go to and just say, hey, you know, when you're looking at this defense, you know, what's your process? You know, little things like that can really, really help up and I definitely think that the Jets should, you know, try to bring in some core, you know, player kind of coaches as well uh, to help players get developed. And, and I uh, mm-hmm. I definitely look forward to seeing, you know, how Sala and uh, Joe Douglas put their heads together and, and continue to build. Um, because I do feel that, you know, in, in certain aspects, there's, there's some decent foundation to what they have. Uh, they were just kind of, really, really held back by inexperience and constant mixing up the roster with injuries and things like that. So uh, maybe bringing in some some solid vets would be a really, really good good plan for, for uh, you know, getting out of the basement of the AFC East and becoming more of a competitive football team. Uh, 
so, you know, I have um, a few players of note um, that I have wrote down here that I'm going to jump to, Dylan, uh, before we get into your special announcement and, and the hot topic that we have for the 2022 season. Uh, I have to mention that, you know, C.J. Mosley had his 11th game uh, against the Bills in which he had double-digit tackles. Uh, he had 13 in that game, giving him 168 total tackles on the season. That is fourth best in the NFL. So for somebody that talked about, you know, working on their body, getting in shape, uh, losing weight, uh, and, you know, really focusing on being a sideline-to-sideline player, uh, whatever C.J. Mosley did, continue to do that. And uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, what another year of C.J. Mosley looks like in Robert Sala's defense. Because even though there wasn't a lot of great things that happened defensively, uh, he definitely stood out the most, I feel. Uh, Some other guys I'd like to mention real quick is Quincy Williams, who had 108 total tackles, two sacks, and three fumbles. Um, He had a really, really standout season coming in. Um, Wasn't even with the team when we first started at all. Uh, We picked him up of of waivers, and, uh, you know, mainly because a lot of injuries had occurred to that linebacker position, so we needed some help. Really, really great there. Somebody you had mentioned, Brandon Eccles, with 63 tackles, two interceptions, uh, pass deflection, and a touchdown. Uh, I believe he was a sixth-round pick. And to get that kind of production as a starter from a six-round pick, um, that definitely is a thumbs-up to Joe Douglas on finding that that little uh, diamond in the rough there. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if the Jets should, you know, deploy the exact same defensive backfield group in 2022. Um, That'll be something that we will be talking about this offseason. But I I do like having a player that young uh, with that kind of skill set and talent level and then his his uh, running mate on the other side, Bryce Hall, with 66 t- total tackles and 16 pass deflections, which was the team high. Didn't have any interceptions, but, uh, you know, Bryce Hall, who was tested quite often near the end of the season, um, you know, there were times in which, you know, the, uh, the uh, refs came out and, and, you know, penalized him a couple times. But I will have to say uh, he did a fairly, fairly – excellent job. Uh, Didn't hear a lot about his name throughout the course of the season, which means he was doing his job well. And uh, definitely look to see how he builds on that moving forward. And then uh, maybe my new favorite guy, Steady, Eddie Pinheiro. Uh, There was a fiasco with the uh, kicking position. Um, Steady Eddie is the guy, is his new name. I I definitely would like to see him come back next year, if not competing in camp, but maybe just taking the job outright. Uh, end of the season uh, with 100% uh, from the field as far as field goals were concerned. And uh, he was 9 for 10 on um, extra points. So, uh, you know, that's 90% from extra points made, and that's 100% from the field. Those numbers work for me, Dylan. I don't know about you. Uh, But seeing some of these kicking, you know, kicking disasters that we've seen throughout the last couple of years, you know, I'm knocking on wood here, really hoping that steady Eddie Pinheiro is the guy moving forward. And uh, I think that uh, – any last thoughts, um, you know, uh, before we move into our other topics for the evening here? And we, uh, 
you know, we're, we're closing the door. We'll leave it ajar for the 2021 season because, you know, clearly we'll be talking about that and, and right. talking about the things that happened last year throughout the off season. But any last thoughts um, on our season recap, Dylan? Yeah, just one person I wanted to touch on because you basically touched all the guys I had highlighted to talk about, so that was perfect. Uh, Bryce Huff, he only played nine games, started seven because he was on uh, IR. I believe he started the season on IR and finished the season on IR. But he, in nine games, had two sacks, one tackle for loss, and eight quarterback hits. So I feel like in such a limited sample size, he has, you know, proven that he can be productive enough to have his name put into that conversation of a, a first string, possibly, you know, 2A rotation of defensive linemen. I think that uh, although they still need to do some work up front defensively, Bryce Huff has pretty much solidified his name from a undrafted free agent to, uh, you know, a key piece to this defensive edge position. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking through some of your notes here, too. Obviously, we haven't forgot about players like Elijah Vera Tucker and Elijah Moore. Um, you know, we, we already talked about both Michael Carters. But, uh, yeah, you know, you throw in Jason Pinnock, too. You know, you've got six rookies here coming out of this class that will look like they have predominant roles moving forward. And, Mm -hmm. To say that you've come away with six, you know, um, we're not going to say good, great, whatever, just six Mm -hmm. usable picks from a draft, you know, and most teams have seven. So, you know, the Jets, I clearly think we had nine or ten. But uh, to to walk away from a draft with with six players that I had just mentioned, and and the seventh one is Zach Wilson, which I didn't mention. So technically coming away with seven pieces um, that you can deploy forward from that draft that, you know, we may look back a few years from now and say, you know, this is the draft that, you know, kind of set the path, you know, for the Jets um, where they turned it around and became, you know, a competitive football team. You know, we could look at this 2021 draft and say, this is where it kind of all started. So, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, promising stuff to look at. Mm Mm-hmm. And even if Brandon Eccles became the, you know, cornerback three and they ended up going out and finding a guy to start opposite Bryce Hall, I wouldn't mind having Brandon Eccles be that next man up in a pinch because you you, you highlighted him a little bit earlier, but two interceptions, one for mm-hmm. a touchdown, nine passes defense, 63 tackles. I mean, he did everything right. Obviously, he wasn't, you know, as consistent as Bryce Hall was on the opposite side, but for a six-round pick, like you said, to come in, start, and play in 14 games in his rookie season and actually, you know, hold down the fort, so to speak. I think it, it speaks volumes to not only Joe Douglas, but, like, the type of players that he also drafted because a lot of these guys are, you know, former college captains from their respective teams, and, and that really plays a part in, you know, the character and the, the type of player, not just the football player, the type of person that – that Joe Douglas is bringing in. So just all around such a good draft class from him. And absolutely. And, you know, there was a, there was a couple games that I think that uh, he wasn't available. I think he had a concussion issue or something like that. So, you know, he didn't even get to compete in, in all the games of this year and still did fairly well. And, you know, it was interesting. I remember seeing somebody on Twitter talking about, 
you know, the Jets should prioritize getting, uh, you know, a corner with one of their first picks. And, um, you know, somebody said, oh, well, we got Eccles and, and uh, Hall. And, you know, that does seem a little naive seeing how the injuries played out this year to say that the Jets should not continue to get youth and talent on the roster, especially in a critical mm-hmm. position like that. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be upset if the Jets, you know, end up with, uh, you know, a top 10 corner coming out the draft, you know. Um, I think it would bring, you know, a good level of competition to the defense and to those young players. And at the end of the day, we know that Sala really likes to use, you know, five and six defensive backs in certain defensive packages that he uses. So, you know, if that's the way that he wants to go about things, then we definitely need to get more guys out there that, you know, are ball hawks and things like that because the Jets did not have a lot of turnovers this year. And that's something that they should be focusing in on moving forward. Uh, all right, Dylan. Mm-hmm. So uh, is it, is it time for, uh, for our announcement or your announcement? I, I think it is. I think it is. All right, buddy. I um, so, leave this one to you. I don't have a drum roll or anything like that, but, uh, Yes, please share uh, the great news that you have. So, as most Jets fans may have been aware of at, uh, already, last week, Jim Nagy, director of the Senior Bowl, announced that the Jets, as well as the Detroit Lions, are going to be invited down to Mobile, Alabama, to coach the Senior Bowl. So, a great opportunity for the team all around you know, get get an up-close-and-personal week with the prospects and see how they react to your coaching and, and, and see which ones you think will fit your scheme before you even get the chance to draft them or see them at the combine because a lot of, you know, teams fall in love with the combine numbers as opposed to what the film necessarily tells them. So it's a great opportunity for the Jets in general. And I, I was, you know, kind of uh, brainstorming with uh, Phil from Jet Nation, and we decided that, we were just going to go for it and we were going to apply for media credentials for myself to get down there. And within 24 hours, we got an email back saying we were approved for media credentials. So on February 1st, Tuesday morning, my wife and I are going to fly out to Mobile, Alabama, and I'll be in person on the ground for the three days of the Jets national team practice and I'll get to see all the, the coaching staff and all the players that they're going to be coaching. They've already put out the list of offensive players, and it's a pretty star-studded group in my opinion. I've been kind of in a, in a little cave here this past weekend. I wasn't feeling too great, so it was a perfect excuse to stay inside, especially with all this weather we've been getting in New Jersey. So I've been in a cave watching all these prospects for the past you know week and a half, two weeks, and I'm really coming away impressed with a lot of these wide receivers and tight ends. I think the Jets are going to have a a great deal of talent to look at, and it's a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that I'm just super thankful to even, you know, three years ago I thought this wouldn't even be a a possibility. I was sitting in an oversized closet in my apartment watching film on the floor because we didn't have enough space to make, like, a little office for myself, so – to come from there all the way to Mobile as a media credentialed member, I think it's it's a pretty big thing. And Jim Nagy was already tweeting back and forth with me, joking around, asking if I bugged his headquarters mm-hmm. office because <laughs> I mentioned a player. I mentioned a player, uh, JoJo Doman, the safety slash linebacker out of Nebraska, that I think 
Jeff Sands are going to fall in love with, and I think the coaching staff will fall in love with him too this week. But I, I hinted at the Jets getting him as uh, one of their defensive players, so hopefully that comes through. So, yeah, just, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that I'm ready to, you know, hit the ground running when I get there and just put out a lot of good content for everybody to absorb and really get, you know, a good knowledge of these players before they get drafted in April. Man, that that is just so awesome. I'm, I'm, you know, not only am I excited for you, but I'm excited that, you know, we were just talking about this two weeks ago and you were making the case for the Jets to get the invite to be one of the teams to coach, uh, you know, I think they do north-south, so I'm not sure, you know, maybe we'll be the north team. But either way, you know, you had pretty much talked this into fruition. I remember you mentioning this early on in the season, and, uh, you know, you've had your eyes, you know, focused in on the Senior Bowl um, event. And uh, to see it all come out the way and, 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 you know, the fact that you got invited and now we're going to have someone on Jet Nation, uh, you know, you're going to be representing us and the fans. And, you know, I'm, I'm so excited, uh, you know, for you and, the, and Jet Nation to be a part of this. And it's going to be such a great opportunity for the Jets to get, uh, you know, an inside scoop on particular players, you know, the – you know, which ones have the right character development, who loves the game, you know, who's just there looking for a paycheck and, and all of those things. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it was you the other day that put that out or it may have been Jet Nation that had mentioned a clip from Kyle Shanahan talking about being at that game. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Debo Samuel, who's, you know, now one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, was in that <clears throat> senior bowl game. And right from that week, they knew that was a player that they needed to get. Um, and I really hope that something like that happens for the Jets here, that they they fall in love with a player that's going to be the next, you know, you know who's who. And uh, I really hope that the Jets can capitalize on this opportunity. And, you know, I definitely hope that you have as much fun as possible. Please take pictures. Um, I'll be texting you oh, yeah. and, and reaching out to you, um, you know, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, um, you know. And uh, I know you probably got a little bit of jitters, but, uh, you know, yeah. um, that's what makes it fun, you know. that That's what this is all about, you know. That's I how you know same you way around it. training camp. And, uh, yeah, you know, it makes me think, you know, what have I been doing the last 30-something years of my life, you know. But uh, – <laughs> And uh, yeah, another you know, I'm, I'm shorter, <laughs> not as – not as a, you know, great announcement, but we will be doing a show that Tuesday, February 1st. I will be in my hotel room in Mobile. It'll be after practice one. Alex and I are going to get together. I'll kind of empty out the notebook of all the things I I jotted down from practice one. So we'll definitely be bringing you a podcast, plenty of write-ups. I have one. I'm staring Mm -hmm. at it right now. I'm trying not to read off it, but I'm so excited with all these, you know, pass catchers that the Jets are getting specifically Trey McBride. I I think he's the best tight end in this class from Colorado State. He does everything the Jets want to do. So I'm trying not to spoil my articles as I write them. But, yeah, I'm very excited for this. This is, you know, a great opportunity, not only, like you said, for for the Jets, but for the Jet Nation crew and everybody involved here. So, yeah, 
No, nah, man, I can't wait till we get into uh, the draft talk here. You know, as you had mentioned, um, you know, people obviously are probably just, you know, taking a little break or maybe they're, you know, into the uh, playoff scenario now. But uh, there are some super talented guys that are going to be in this game. And, you know, oh, the yeah. tight end position has never looked better. People are talking about this tight end group to be one of the best that they've seen in, in decades. So, uh, you know, the Jets clearly have a, a need for talent at the tight end position, seeing the rotation of what we thought Chris Herndon was going to be, and then he gets traded. And, you know, then um, we're hoping Tyler Croft and Griffin mm-hmm. and Wesco all pan out together, and each of them at different times of the year get injured. And we let go of Daniel Brown, and we bring him back, and then he gets injured, and, my Lord, there's been, you know, um, even Kenny Yaboa from the practice squad, one of the UDFAs right. that they had brought in, he got some time. So a lot, a lot of bodies getting thrown in, you know, in and out of the roster for that tight end position. And you come away with one of the guys that are going to be in this senior bowl game. I think the Jets will, will be in good company moving forward. So, you know, I'm, this is a little bit hopeful for me being, you know, in, on January uh, 18th, but uh, yeah, I really, really do hope that the Jets come away with one of these talented tight ends because that'll be very, very super exciting. Um, Absolutely, and right, Dan, I don't want to go. Know, looking at the clock here, mm-hmm. um, we can we can forge through. I, I don't know if I set the the timer right on on the clock here, but uh, you know we will be wrapping up the, sh- the show uh, pretty soon, so we only have a couple more topics to go tonight. Uh, we got to save mm-hmm. a little bit of juice throughout this off season, yeah. Because um, you know, uh, contain the energy. Weeks are going to get long, and you know, the anticipation coming up to free agent frenzy and the uh, the April draft, you know, month is is going to be nonstop. You know, prospect talk, and you know, mm-hmm. the future might be this or the future might be that. So we're going to try to keep the the topics and conversations. Um, you know, as uh, exciting or, you know, um, enticing as we, as we can. But uh, what we're going to do is we're going to move into um, this topic on who the Jets should bring back in the 2022 season. Uh, Dylan, we're going to keep this list a little bit short. Uh, we're only going to mm-hmm. do three players um, because I, you, you put together a great list of, you know, 25 Jets free agents um, that will be testing the market next year. I don't know if you want to go through that list real quick, um, or I can just rattle yeah. it off right now. Yeah, um, I can go. What what I can do is I can yeah. I can read the the details and you read the names. So I'll read what they you know what tier they mm-hmm. come in, and then you can just read down the names because that's a lot of words. So out oh, yeah. of the twenty five total free agents the Jets have, they have eighteen unrestricted free agents that are. That is a player that has played four or more accrued seasons. So there are 18 of them. Yep, and that goes with Marcus May, Jamison Crowder, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, Jared Davis, Keelan Cole, Morgan Moses, Dan Feeney, Joe Flacco made the list, Lamarcus Joyner, Tyler Croft, Connor McDermott, Kevin Coleman, Sherrod Neesman, Nathan Shepard, Eddie, Steady Eddie Pinheiro, Foley Fatukasi, Braxton Berrios, and Alex Lewis. So uh, a lot of players on that list that contributed at one point in time or in multiple different ways for the, this uh, team. 
And, um, you know, one that immediately – he's not in my top three that I think the Jets should bring back for tonight. But now that I see him on this list, I'm very curious to see what he would have been like had he had been healthy, and that is LaMarcus Joyner. So mm-hmm. if I were permitted to have a fourth player to add tonight, Joyner would be my number four. Uh, right. But we also have RFAs. Go for it, Dylan. Yep. So we have two that are listed as RFAs, which is restricted free agents. And these are any player with three accrued seasons. They are free to negotiate with any team during the free agency window, but the original team has the option to pay a tender price, which I believe they did with Robbie Anderson. I'm not a hundred percent, but I believe they may have did that. And a first round pick this year, a first-round tender, excuse me, this year would cost $4.766 million or 110% of the player's salary from 2021, whichever is greater. And they have a first-round, second-round, or original-round tender, which is roughly $2.1 million. So you're looking at anywhere from 2 to $4.5 million for either of these players. And there's only two. So it's Mike White and Kyle Phillips, which – pretty key pieces, you know, at one point or the other in this season, Kyle Phillips came back from injury and, and did a couple things. And Mike White obviously stepped up when Zach Wilson was hurt and had the big, you know, Jets crazy moment winning against the, the Cincinnati Bengals who just won a playoff game for the first time in three decades. So, you know, they're pretty key pieces here as restricted free agents. And then the last category we have are exclusive right free agents. We have five of those. This is a player with fewer than three accrued seasons. And if the original team offers a one-year minimum contract, the player is free to negotiate with any other team. So kind of the opposite as a restricted free agent, whereas the Jets have the first chance, and if they only offer a one-year contract, they they can say, no, I want to go and see if I can get another one-year or multi-year deal for another team so there are five of them here uh javelin gidry tim ward javin white who was a linebacker the jets picked up late in december uh wide receiver jeff smith and tackle greg sinat who was another december roster ad so not too many key pieces in this category but still you know uh a, a new tier of free agent right on so We've broken down the free agents um, that will be hitting the market next year. We've brought down the restricted free agents, and we talked about what was the term? The ERFAs, exclusive right free agent. Exclusive right free agents. Good work. Good recon there, Dylan. So, out of the list of all these players that we had just mentioned. For me, I'll, I'll, I'll go first here, Dylan. Um, the three players that come to mind that I think the Jets should bring back, uh, number one, I think Braxton Berrios. Um, you know, seeing the way that he played near the end of the season, uh, being one of the most explosive players on the team, contributing when there was downright nobody else who could catch the ball, he came through for us. Uh, what he did from a special team standpoint uh, was absolutely phenomenal, um, and I believe did he make all the All Pro team, or was he first team? I know that there were he was first team. So you know this was a big year for him that he had never even gotten an invite to the Pro Bowl before. Um, so you know this is this is pretty huge for him. 
Um, I don't know if he's going to come with a uh, home discount, but uh, the Jets have been good and kind to him, so maybe that'll take you know a little something going into the negotiations. But um, I'm not looking to give out you know you know Julio Jones or you know whomever you have as a high contract player. I'm not looking to do something crazy like that, but I think if he can be obtained for the right price, I think that that would be a really, really solid move for the Jets. Um, the next guy was uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, the uh, guard that had replaced uh, Greg Van Roten. Uh, he did have a little spat to where he was injured, and, uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, some of the guys have to come in for him. But uh, when he came in, you could see that there was significant difference in pass protection and in the run game. Um, you know, Greg Van Roten, good guy, stand-up guy, uh, but his play, you know, clearly is went down this year, and uh, he was a little bit of a liability on the interior protection of the offensive line. So even if you're not going to be putting LDT as a starter, I feel very, very comfortable bringing him back as a depth guy and somebody that can come in in a pinch and, uh, you know, you won't lose too much talent on the offensive line. And then lastly, uh, my number three would be Quincy Williams. Uh, you know, you got this guy off of waivers. He came in and, uh, you know, he played, you know, like there was no tomorrow. Uh, you know, he racked up over a hundred, had it written down here, 108 tackles on the season. And, uh, you know, he does have some growth. Um, that's needed here as far as not being over-aggressive, you know, on certain plays, taking himself out of plays because he's over-pursuing. You know, that'll come with experience and, uh, you know, reading what the offense is doing, looking at tendencies, and then playing more with your instincts than uh, just, you know, see ball, get ball. And, uh you know, he had a very, very good press conference. You know, he even spoke about a couple of those things. And you rarely do hear players, um, you know, mention their flaws and, and talk about things that they need to do. Uh, I think that shows a lot of maturity for him and the fact that, you know, he's humble. He knows that, you know, he has to work harder. And uh, if he wants to continue to be a Jet, uh, you know, he's going to have to bust his tail um, this off season and, uh, you know, come back and try to do and replicate everything that he did and more so going into next year. So uh, I'd very much like to see Quincy Williams be a part of this defense for next year. Dylan, uh, who do you got for your top three to bring back for the 2022 season? Yeah, I'm glad I, I read your notes and let you go first because I'm 100% in agreement on all three of those players. I think uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, especially on the offensive line, you could, like you said, you could tell there was a clear visual difference, just the eye test even between him and Greg Van Roten, obviously Berrios being an all-pro and a business and finance major from Miami. He's probably going to want to capitalize on his opportunity to make the most bang for his buck. So hopefully mm-hmm. he can, you know, be a little nice to the Jets and not, not run our pockets. But I think – if you can get him in the five to six million dollar range for a one or two year deal, I think the Jets are in position cap space wise to do it for a versatile piece that was trusted by your rookie quarterback. So moving into my Absolutely. three players on offense, I have two. The first one is Mike White. 
He had the best completion percentage of all four quarterbacks at 66.7. He also had the most yards per game at 238.3. I believe Zach was just shy of 180 yards per game, so a pretty big difference in yard yard output between the two. He was second most on the team in yards with 953, and that's in three and a half games that he played this season. So, you know, he was averaging well over 300 yards a game when he was starting. Um, And you can probably get him on a relatively cheap deal. Obviously, Zach Wilson's still on his rookie contract, so that helps the situation. But I think, you know, not breaking the bank on a guy like Mike White could be beneficial to keep the continuity in the QB room. And you know what he is if he needs to come in. Obviously, he had the the, the blunder of four picks in the game, but obviously that's not who he is. And we've seen the, the upside of him. And then the other offensive guy I had was Morgan Moses. Um, Spot rack had his market value at 7.7 million with an estimated contract of three years, 23.4 million, which I believe is a, a significantly long deal for somebody who's in his thirties now but he's somebody that's been reliable. He played 94% of the snaps uh, of the whole season, and he didn't even start week one. He came in when Mackay got hurt. He played the second most offensive line snaps and was only sixth behind rookie Elijah Vera Tucker with 1,020. So obviously he was available, and availability is your best ability in this league. And I think if you're able to secure Fant, Moses, and Becton on the roster for 2022, it it does a lot for the offense, but it also opens up more possibilities for the fourth overall pick in the draft. So I think Morgan Moses is somebody that you should uh, maybe not throw the whole bag at, but, you know, a decent-sized bag at Morgan Moses. And then the last guy I have on the defensive side of the ball was Foley Fatukasi. He played 15 games this year, 46 total tackles, 25 solo, five tackles for loss, six quarterback hits, and he played the fourth most defensive line snaps with 559, which was 53% of the total snaps. And I believe he missed two games, yeah, 15 games. So he missed two on the season and still played over 50% of the snaps as a defensive lineman. And I know there's going to be plenty of mouths to feed in terms of defensive linemen and available cap space, but listening to Joe Douglas and Robert Saul in their press conferences, they reiterated that everything starts in the trenches on both sides of the ball, So I think even Mm -hmm. if they do go out and attack this defensive line group in free agency or the draft, I think Foley Fatukasi has shown the the ability to, you know, warrant a second contract from the Jets. I'm not going to speculate on what the number should be because I think a lot of people are all over the place when it comes to Foley, whether it's they like him as a player or they think he's done more than he has. But I think his production – speaks for itself, and I think that he warrants a second contract, not a huge one, but I think he should be a Jet for, for quite some time now. So those are my three. Nice. Yeah, I, I do see we had um, a couple of the same players there, and <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, I don't know if it was a little bit of, uh, you know, an inclination uh, with Foley, Um you know, he was very, very, uh, well, you know, we'll just see how things play out and we'll see how things go. And um, who knows, uh, you know, what how he's feeling, you know, year to date, um, you know, with this team. And we love Foley. I'd love to see him come back, uh, you know, but 
money talks. And, uh, you know, if the Jets don't come up with mm-hmm. the right offer here, you know, I, I, I would just not like to see him stay within the AFC East. Um, I would not feel great about seeing him tackling our Michael Carter or anything like that. So, no. uh, you know, he is kind of one of those pieces that, you know, they set the tone up front and, and I would love to see him. And, and Morgan Moses too, you know, he's kind of one of those, he, he fits that mold of what I was talking about as far as bringing in a player with experience and somebody that, mm-hmm. you know, it brings a lot to the table as far as talent and, and skill level and then being able to have uh, somebody that the younger guys can go to. Um, Morgan played really, really good throughout this season, probably one of the more reliable um, offensive linemen that we had this year, um, you know, as far as being available week in and week out. And, uh, you know, we can uh, – we, we poo-poo a lot on this offensive line here, but there are some guys out there that did a decent job. And it's kind of interesting because you look at George Fant's numbers over the course of the year, his numbers were pretty decent. You know, Morgan Moses had a couple games where, you know, he let up some pressure, but majority of the time he was a stand-up guy. And then you look at Elijah Vera Tucker, who's also very, very promising too. So, you know, the Jets' offensive line is very, very close to being, you know, solid and balanced, you know, just a couple more mm-hmm. right moves. And it, it looks like, you know, we might have a real, real good unit to go forward with. So, uh, But as we saw from this year, um, you know, pandemic included, um, at any point in time, you know, your roster can change. So you have to have as much type of these kind of players like Moses and Fant, LDT, um, you know, Foley, um, those kind of guys uh, available, you know, when you need them. And in the event that something happens, you know, you have the depth to where you're not skipping a beat. So, <clears throat> I'm, yeah, you know, we're, funny. we're, we're – mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's funny you, you mentioned Foley and not wanting to see him in the AFC East and not saying that should be the criteria for all pending free agents. But if you can, you know, peg a specific player, especially one that was a sixth-round pick a few years ago and say, I don't want to have to go up against him, I think that that says enough where, you know, this team should really be looking at retaining him more so than trying to be fickle and, and walk that money line with him to the point where he ends up fielding other offers. So I thought it was a, a great point that you brought up that you don't want to see him in, in the division. Yeah, that that's the one thing that always kills me the most is when you see players like going over to Buffalo or Miami or New England and, and then they start whooping our tail and it's like, man, we had him. Why did we let him go? No. Right, yep. So, uh, but that's kind of, you know, that's the way it kind of goes with this game here. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we're going to be, you know, we're getting close to where we're going to probably have to start talking about, you know, draft watch and and prospects to take a look for. And, uh, you know, we'll be putting out gems there throughout this offseason for our listeners, um, people to, uh, you know, go to YouTube and, you know, check this guy out, check this player uh, we'll have plenty of that stuff to share with everyone. Uh, you know, this seems to be uh, maybe more of uh, where all our excitement lies because um, usually it's, uh, you know, doom, gloom, and despair throughout the regular season. Um, Jets can't lose from here on out, so that's one, one thing we have in that <laughs> <Right>. pocket, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, Dylan, um, 
if you if you haven't you know checked the clock, you have 17 days and 18 hours till the Senior Bowl. So um, let's go. I hope you're excited as I am. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I'm, I'm really so really excited. happy about that, man. Yeah, it's going to be great. And um, man, oh man, I'm I'm looking at my schedule. I'm like, man, you know, how can I sneak into that? You know, can I get a couple of days off of work here? Call out sick? I don't know. I got two beds in my crazy. hotel room. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you see somebody creeping in your window, you know, don't get alarmed and call the cops. It might be me trying to look for you. But, uh, <laughs> Dylan, this is uh, this has been a fun show. Uh, I think we should uh, probably sign off here uh, before we drag this out too far. <laughs> um, you know, it's been a, it's been a, you know, fun season. Um, it's, you know, bittersweet, you know, um, there were points, you know, in the year where you're like, oh, man, we're going up against this team. This is not going to be great. You know, another Tuesday show of uh, talking about, you know, trash talking the Jets here. and um, But then, you know, the games are gone, and you're like, man, I kind of wish kind of wish they were still going, you know. Um, right, yeah. Not our year. This is not our season. But, you know, I'm looking at certain things. I'm looking at certain players here. And, uh you know, as I mentioned, this past draft, you know, I think there's something something special going on. And, uh, you know, we get another another good draft this year. And if we can stay healthy for the next upcoming season, you know, I don't mm-hmm. see any reasons why we can't be competing, um, you know, moving forward. You know, um, obviously a lot's going to revolve around Mr. Wilson and his success because that'll go hand in hand with the Jets here. But at this point, you know, build around the man, um, you know, build in the trenches like Sala and, and Joe Douglas said. And, uh, yeah, you know, we've got to turn the page and move forward. And, and I'm just really hoping that uh, we take a step next year. Um, you know, I'm not going to say playoffs. Uh, I'm not mm-hmm. going to set any, uh, you know, crazy expectations here. But, you know, come December of next year, I want to be talking about how, you know, if we beat this team and this team loses, you know, we may have a chance to, you know, da-da-da. So, right. Um, that'll be exciting. And those are the kind of days that I look forward to. So, um, that's going to do it for us tonight um, here for Jet Nation. We will be uh, back on the airway, airways uh, next Tuesday. Uh, we're going to try to pencil in Glenn to come in here so we can do a little roundtable discussion. And we're going to have to put a game uh, plan together here on how we're going to attack this off season. And, um, you know, we'll try to set up some interviews and try to get some people onto the show uh, for the listeners. So, yeah, we're going to keep it, you know, try to keep it as exciting as we possibly can until we get to, uh, you know, free agent frenzy and uh, draft days. So, uh, Dylan, any final words before we uh, sign off for the night? No, you just you got me looking at the the ticker on SeniorBowl.com, so I'm watching every second <laughs> tick down. You got me excited this is now. Great, man. Yep. This is, this is all happening. It's all happening. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. Please don't forget to go to our website, JetNation.com. Um, we also have an app if you want to download that. Uh, gives you immediate access to the Jets Forum, number one fan forum in the NFL. Uh, you get editorials and articles written uh, by people like Dylan, uh, who puts out great content, Glenn as well. And uh, Phil's always out there putting out little tidbits, which is great. Um, 
so please don't forget to check out our YouTube scene. Glenn has been doing some stuff on YouTube. Uh, Green Bean is all over the place, collaborating with other YouTubers, putting out content on Facebook and Instagram. So don't forget to follow Green Bean. He's been really, really revving it up. Um, might be doing something with him in February. We're trying to plan something out. I might be going on to his show, which will be fun, um, rather than him coming on to ours. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So everybody, thank you again. Uh, be well, stay safe, and as always, let's go Jets. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!